Welcome to the Digitally Native podcast, a podcast that explores what it means to be digital and to live digital lives. I'm your host, Fungai, and together we will explore a range of topics and trends around digital and social media and digital innovation. So grab a drink, buckle up, and let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I hope that you are having great holidays and if you are listening to this podcast episode during your holiday season, thank you for making the time to engage with this episode. It's never a bad idea to have a little bit of an intellectual conversation even as you take a breather from life and all the things that it comes with. Um, And I'm sure you'll find this episode a treat. My guest today is Rangamberi and he is a Zimbabwean social commentator. If you're a Zimbabwean yourself and you're on social media, I am sure you've come across him. Um, He's always um, been interested in engaging with conversations about different things to do with the Zimbabwean landscape and I think has always been someone who's very interested in the Zimbabwean public archive um, like some of us as well and that's how we found each other and created these connections and you know had these conversations that one of which is about Sungura Central as you will hear uh, today where we talk about this genre of music that's very popular in Zimbabwe or has had a historical popularity somewhat on the way right now. But then Ranga is curating a social media account on Twitter or X as well as a Tumblr account where he brings facts, history and information about the genre. So we talk a little bit more about why that's important to him and what that contributes to the, to the Zimbabwean public archive. All right, I won't take up too much more time. I will let Ranga take it away and I'll catch you on the other side. My name is Rangamberi, a former journalist, I'd like to call that, I'd call myself that, and I do a lot of uh, communications work, but my passion above all is uh, music and Zimbabwean music in particular. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I mean, you are one of the people I remember when, now everyone is old (laughs) at this point, (laughs) <laughs> when we were younger, but um, you were you were something of a fossil on Twitter. I mean, you were older than us, and you were like an early adopter. So you were, I mean, the joke was always you were a fossil. So, so at which point of fossilization are you at now? Because I think we are also now fossils. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. What are you now? <laughs> I think now I qualify as an ancestor, right? I mean, you're an ancestor. Your guys are old, so now I'm a bit of a relic at the moment. So yeah, I accept that with the grace. So, <laughs> the grace of of age. Oh yeah, no, I mean it's 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 really. I think because there are so few people who. I mean, Facebook is the thing that most people kind of adapted to, and I'm not saying. I mean, you're not old. <laughs> you're not like a, a, a like crazy in age it's 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 just at the time I think there were people who if they got onto social media and they were like a a generation or a few years older than you you found their about Facebook but then you were on Twitter and you were very early adopted and I'm very curious to start there and ask you what made you join this space where all these youngins were like coming on and trying to figure out what was happening yeah well I think Twitter at that time was was uh, really new and for me, uh, funny enough, uh, I only joined Twitter because of football. You, you'd read, uh, like in the UK press, what some footballer or some celebrity said, and 
they said it on Twitter. So mm. I actually joined uh, Twitter without any knowledge at all about there being any Zimbabweans there. I mean, I just went in there to see what uh, my favorite football players are talking about. And only to be surprised to see a lot of uh, <laughs> fellow Zimbabweans as well there. So I, I, I know you remember it was quite of a small community then. Um, mm. You, the likes of Nigel, uh, 263 Chat was 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 uh, leading the conversations. You had your mm. comedy Thursdays with uh, mm -hmm. uh, Danny and Phil. So yeah, it, yeah, it was community and we, we kind of grew with it, I guess. Uh, I'm a fossil now. I mean, anyone in Zimbabwe is over 40. I'm now into my 40s. Anyone in, mm. in Zimbabwe's uh, 40s is really <clears throat> a member of the youth league. So I think uh, I will still refuse to be called a relic. <laughs> <laughs> no, true. Youth is until 65 at, 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 yeah. in Zimbabwe terms. So, you know, still, still, still very fresh. Um, very. Yeah, so I'm very curious to know, I mean, you you then, you know, have also got your own very large following or grown your own following on Twitter, but then started um, other endeavors like uh, Sungura Central. Uh, so perhaps you could just start by telling me a little bit more about what that is and what you are doing with that platform. As you know, I think we, I've been posting a lot of uh, Zimbabwean music. Uh, stuff for a while uh, since since I was on on Twitter, and to the point that some of my friends self kind of found it weird and uh, even annoying. Uh, and a friend of mine just said to me the other time, "Dude, you spend an awful amount of time posting about Sungura and stuff. Um, why not mm -hmm. just take it elsewhere?" You know, you uh, laughed about it, but then I thought, "Heck, why the hell not?" So mm -hmm. really. It was born out of a bit of self-indulgence, really, to be honest. Uh, when I started, mm. I wanted a place where I could endlessly post about the music without boring the more serious people that I, I was interacting with online. But then mm -hmm. one thing became clear. Um, each time I was posting, I would post anything about Sungura. Say, look, a bit of history here, a line from a song there. There'd be folks asking questions, you know, uh, who sang that song? What happened to so-and-so? Mm -hmm. Who was in that band? What year was this album? All that. So I was mm -hmm. always surprised there was so much interest in stuff like that. So I said, hey, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not the only one on this journey of discovery of Sungura. So instead of me posting here and there on different platforms, being all over the place, why not create a central point, right? A central point where lovers of this music can gather around, talk about Sungura. So that's how we I, I set up Sungura Central. And and maybe just to go a step back for people who may be listening and not know what Sungura music is, can you just give us a very brief understanding of what this genre of music is, its origins, and you know its relevance in Zimbabwean culture? Yeah, well, the origins are very uh, interesting. Uh, the music itself is called Sungura, um, and because of East Africa. Uh, Sungura was the record label um, under AIT Records, it was called then. AIT Records was owned by a Kenyan dude called Oliech Kanindo. So this guy, Oliech Kanindo, um, that's why we actually have a type of music called Kanindo. Um, that's how we came mm -hmm. to have Kanindo music. So under Kanindo mm -hmm. music, the Sungura, Sungura label, you know, the, it had a, a, a rabbit on it and 
Sungura is a rabbit in Swahili. So that's how the music became to be known. So it's really an eclectic mix of rumba um, from the DRC, Kanindo from Eastern Africa, and uh, you know Benga from Eastern Africa as well. And some South African Batranga is in there as well. If you listen to early music, even from Tuguzi, there was a lot of South African Batranga. So what happened was there was a lot of back and forth movement between Zimbabwe, um, DRC, Eastern Africa. So that's that's how the music came to Zimbabwe, and it was adapted by the likes of Kasongo Band into what we know as Sungura today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and what is the, you know, it's had this long history, I think, you know, from the 50s onwards, um, you know, there have been people in the 80s, 90s, your Leonard Jakarta's yeah. and the like, who brought this music to, you know, I think a, a more popular mainstream. What is What is the current popularity of this music, would you say? Not very good. I mean, um, it actually reflects, I guess, the changing demographic of of Zimbabwe. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 still popular, um, but not uh, at the peak that it was like in the late eighties or early nineties. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the economy has changed quite a bit, and uh, so you're not going to be able to measure popularity in terms of record sales, for instance, uh, you can tell that Alec Macheso, who is really the biggest mm. popular music, I think, in the 2000s, um, yeah. is nowhere as popular as he was around 2004, 2005. And mm-hmm. you've got a of other younger artists, um, Janja Express and them, but all of them try to sound a bit like Alec Macheso. So there isn't that mm-hmm. variety guys had in the 80s and the 90s um that you can really point out to so it's it's a tough admission that <laughs> a Sungura fan has had to make that the music isn't anywhere where it used to be but right. um so in the end what you end up just posting about older stuff which isn't nice mm-hmm. but really also necessary so no the music isn't where it's supposed to be but we, we we take that on the chin and just accept that you know times have moved. Mm-hmm. And, and so why if 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 it's a genre that is on the wane, um, as you say, uh, have you felt this importance to bring it to social media? Just to wind it back a bit, Fungai, uh, for on a personal level, um, mm-hmm. a lot of my friends now don't believe me when I say this. I was never a big Sungura fan growing up. Um, mm. in- yeah, in fact, I only got into Sungura late into my 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like any kid growing up in town in the 90s, I would never have been caught dead listening to Jakarta or Kiyama Boys. Mm-hmm. I would rather die, to be honest. Uh, like most guys my age, I had a Sony Walkman, a nice yellow mm-hmm. Sony Walkman. I'll be walking mm-hmm. around quickly, uh, you know, uh, listening to dancehall or hip hop. It would be, you know, mm-hmm. Kati Rand. Shaba, mm-hmm. you know, men, hey, NWA, Dr. Dre. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. my stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That was what I was listening to. So Sungura was just a curiosity to us. I mean, mm-hmm. something you just saw in, on Ezom Kido or Radio 2, you left it yeah. there. Right? You, you take it with you, like we mm-hmm. do now. But you know what? Mm-hmm. As you grow, you realize one thing. 
some of your best childhood memories, some of my best childhood memories, had kind of a backtrack to it. You realize mm. that your music tastes may take you around the world now, but there's always that rhythm that says Zimbabwe to you. You know, mm -hmm. a song would play and it would take me back to a special day or an occasion uh, in my in my younger days. Like <laughs> to yeah. this day, when I play manager by Leonard Dembo, I go back to a time when I visited my uncle in the Triangle Sugar Estates, uh, mm. when I, I think I was in grade seven or somewhere there. The record would play all day at the local bar where, where, he, used mm -hmm. to, where he used to take me illegally, I must add. So mm -hmm. those are some of the things that you realize as you grow up, that this is our music. Um, right. Sungura is the quintessential Zimbabwean sound, in my opinion. And I know mm -hmm. Chimurenga music fans will kill me for this, but I, I think Sungura is just, is just that. Once that first strand of the Sungura intro plays, you know it's from. If someone mm -hmm. samples Sungura guitar, um, even if it's Coldplay or whatever, you know that this mm -hmm. is from Zimbabwe. Uh, this mm -hmm. is from home. So I realized that, look, we need to, cu to curate this music a bit more than we have, mm -hmm. a, a bit better than we have. Mm -hmm. We used to think of it as backward music, uh, you know, but now in, in our old uh, age in the 40s, we're trying to play catch up really with, with uh, the 20 or so odd years that we would have never been caught dead listening to that Sungura music. So when I when I'm posting about this music, it's not that I know everything about it. It's also a journey of of discovery for me, uh, discovering new stuff, new artists, new information that I didn't have before. Hmm. Hmm. And and I think one thing that's really interesting is you know about this classist perspective about Sungura music, and I would say at the moment as well, Zim dancehall, which is you know the sound of the current. It's uh generation of of young people uh and and you know your your memory reminds me because my sister my older sister um you know teen scene back in the day uh um, you know very popular and um they used to run these um competitions i think every week you 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 could send a letter or something and then you know yeah. they do a draw and you could win an album or whatever and you know she actually used to quite diligently put in her little you know application or her write her letter whatever it was and then one day she actually won and she won a Sungura album and wow. you know it, I think they had like they would start with you know the the best album was you know something international then it would mm -hmm. be something else you know then there'd be the Sungura album and she won that and it was really like oh gosh I don't like you know I don't want this this is not what I wanted to win and you know, we would look at this album like, what is this? Like, we, we never played it; it was just there. And it's that idea, that classist idea about a genre of music. And as you say, um, you know, all of us from a certain generation have a, an experience or a memory of this music playing. For for me, I think it's you know, being a kid and Leonard Jagata with his glossy, shiny suits, and you know, just this kind of cowboy hat. <laughs> And you know this kind of very strange thing that, but you know, you'd watch that, and that was like a collective experience of something you all engaged yeah. with. So you know, when we're now talking about class and all that, and then we're looking at things like Twitter, 
um, which is still, we can, I think, safely say a kind of exclusionary space, even though it has become more inclusive. It is definitely not, you know, the space where you will find people of what we would call the masses, you know, yeah. uh, congregating because of access, you know, access and the digital divide are very real things. So how how do you bridge that? Or who do you find engaging with these conversations? Is it other people like yourself who are, I would say, people of the middle class, but then have had these realizations, you know, about all these kinds of classes, perspectives that we had growing up that are now yeah. interested in finding out about this? Or is it, you, you, are you just also finding people who are, I don't know who you're finding. Actually, let me ask you that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, that's a great question from Guy. Um, because Twitter is, is a strange place now. Um, it's it's people would describe it describe it as you know a toxic place where people discuss mm. pot all day, but you do find that uh, even in, in that noise, people kind mm. of look for good news, uh, good places to release some steam, and um, you know that's the beauty of it. It's it's all sorts of people come to Sungura Central. Uh, mm -hmm. nostalgia is quite a drug and we've got a large diaspora population for instance and just like me and you um, after you've reached a certain age you start thinking back to all that uh, used to happen in I hate to use the the term Zimbabwe Agudara you know the old Zimbabwe that people remember um, that had great memories so you find that a lot of people come in there and, and say oh okay I remember this Kiyama boy as well the song while I was on a bus to Murewa, you know, I remember we us dancing to this song one Christmas uh, Christmas Day in Mashingo, that sort of thing. So people do have a thirst for knowledge of the things that we were never told about the artists and the music. So what really inspires me a lot is that it it connects a lot of people to their Zimbabweness, and I think. There's always a question of what's a Zimbabwean and what connects us. And I think music is one of them, definitely. So I'll tell you what, I mean, one of the best things is that you get people from across the political divide on Twitter. Um, people swear they hate each other's guts, uh, but mm. they come to Central and they talk about their shared love for the music. And then mm. they go back to their politics the next moment and call each other names, but that's okay. Uh, but at least mm -hmm. for a while, they found something that unites them. So it's it's a lot of people. I mean, younger younger people as well are really curious mm -hmm. about about the nineties, and, and and I'm finding that quite exciting as well. People who are actually musicians now, uh, looking mm -hmm. for sample, uh, they're looking for music to sample. I think recently, um, I listened to uh, now now the name escapes me. Uh, a, a young artist who sampled Saina um, by Simon Shimbeto. And I think those are the sort of things we're trying to do to connect this new generation to our lost generation, if I can call it that. Mm. Mm. And, and I wonder, because, you know, I was going to ask you as well, this divide is not just across um, uh, the economic divide or the class divide, it's also now the youth division, because I think, you know, everyone is sort of, curious about something that is maybe a generation removed from them. Um, yeah. You know, 
we have an overlap you know if, if you sort of grew up in a certain timeline you would be interested in a certain kind of um thing but then now gen z is co completely different um generally they that's not their memory that's not um their their field of reference for their childhoods or their youths so how have you found that? I mean, you've talked about uh, musically oriented people in the generation being interested. Um, do you find young Gen Z people who just are curious um, yeah. about, about history then also engaging? Yeah, yeah. And and again, that's one of the more interesting bits about, about the account is that, for example, uh, I think a few months ago, I posted a video of John Chibadiro. I think he was um, performing in Chitungiza, was it, or in Samoa. And uh, one of the interesting comments uh, I found, and, and this guy who commented is actually a, a sound engineer that I know is, is a recording artist as well. And he's into dance music, a local artist. So he says, wow, look at the people in the crowd. And these guys were so clean, you know, they were so well yeah, and this is a video from like the early, late late 80s, I think it was, uh, early 90s. So he just couldn't believe how vibrant the nightlife was then for, for a lot of uh, mm -hmm. um, Zimbabweans. I mean, look at videos that are online, I mean, from uh, Queen Elizabeth Hotel, mm. performance, uh, performance by Paul Matavide, there's a performance by Oliver Mtukudzi. And a Gen Z who knows what <laughs> Queen Elizabeth looks like now did mm. not relate. They could not relate okay. how vibrant Harari nightlife was. And mm. for me, it, it's sad and also great at the same time. Because sad because for, for our generation, so oh, we used to be this, we used to be that. But for, like you just said correctly, I mean, for, for the younger guys, it's just something they cannot relate to. But yeah. it gives them an opportunity to just use music into uh, to like a window into, into what can be, uh, what Zimbabwe can be and, 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 and build from there. Like I was saying, I mean, sampling that music, it's not enough, but for me, it's something that we, our young guys are not really quite doing enough. And, and I'm excited that a lot of people are actually considering it now. Right, right. And I mean, the archive is a very important, uh, you know, in any culture, it's a very important historical artifact. And I think, you know, there's a few people who've always been interested in that archive, in that Zimbabwean archive, digitalizing content, cre creating conversations. But it's, it tends to be individuals, it tends to be, you know, small groups of people. And then, you know, or, or if, if they become collectives, then, you know, they don't last for a long time, things move on, or, you know, things just get hard. Uh, what is, you know, what is your hope? I mean, okay, I don't know what the strategy, maybe that's that's the first question I could ask you, what's your strategy? Or is it just something you do out of passion? And then if it is that, what is your hope that happens? You know, we don't know about this platform, Twitter or X or whatever it is now called, you know, if it gets taken down, I know you have a Tumblr account as well associated, but, but you know, what is your hope in doing this in terms <laughs> of contributing to the global, I mean, not the global, the Zimbabwean archive, or is it just a passion? Uh, yeah, well, uh, you're putting me in the spot there, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't thought that far. 
Yeah, Which yeah. Well, because, because you've asked me that before, and I ran away from that question. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people have asked, "Why don't you write a book? And why don't you do this and that?" And you, you know what? And the reason why I'm doing this, yes, it's out of passion, but mm. generally we 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 suck at recording our history as a country. Mm-hmm. We are the worst. I think I, I don't totally, I mean, in every part of our lives as a country, every sector, I mean, we, we don't have archives on, on business. We don't have archives on sport. A few years ago, a friend of mine that, that you know, I mean, persons from where, you want, we, mm-hmm. we wanted to do a project on, on, on football from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? We found nothing in terms of archives absolutely nothing there's no footage at zbc whatsoever uh, you won't find footage of moses chunga playing football i think people will debate who's greater moses chunga and uh, peter and love but are you gonna find footage of them playing for footage of peter and love playing for islanders you've never seen no. it I, i've never seen it and and i'm old i'm 40 I'm something so i've never seen uh, footage of the next team from the 1980s and even that from the 90s or even the 2000s is hard to get. Yeah. Generally, we suck at, at recording our history. Uh, and mm. music is even worse. I, I grew up in a house full of records from guys. So we had hundreds and hundreds of records. Motown, it's my, my dad. It's my <laughs> I think it's the guy I took after. He had loads and loads of records. So mm. I can tell you about Motown records. Kids in the U.S. know a lot of history about the right. Jackson Five. They know about mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye. They know who wrote mm-hmm. this song and who did what. <sighs> They've just put out a great documentary on the Thriller album, uh, how each song came about, which is great storytelling. But do we mm-hmm. know um, that Leonard Dembo was such a perfectionist that at one time he, read, he redid the whole album? Those are some of the stories we are not telling. Yeah, uh, we know about Quincy Jones as a producer, but do we know about Timon Mabaleka, for example? Timon was a mm. music producer and a football star at the same time. So, mm. can you believe that those stories aren't being told enough? Uh, we know right. about George Badura going to tour the UK. Funny story is that he he arrived at the BBC. He saw Madonna getting all pampered and stuff, and he was wondering, "What the heck is this woman? And why are they giving her so much VIP treatment that's better than mine?" And and mm. all these stories, you know, you know, I don't agree with a guy called Chris Muchangwa a lot, um, yeah. but it's a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. He said something surprising, profound at the burial of Comrade Chinks. I think it was back in 2017. He said mm-hmm. this, he said, if I can, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, nothing can carry the history of a country uh, better than a song. So, mm. so I think um, our archiving has to be done, whether it's just a Facebook post or a Facebook group, or a, in my case, Ungura Central, a, 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 a Twitter platform, or whether someone does a book, or a documentary, I think every little bit counts at this stage because we just haven't done enough. So I think one day in in future, maybe someone will be able to collate all this stuff and put it into one 
great uh, Netflix documentary or book. So, so I think for all of us, for now, we just have to do what we can. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, that forward thinking that is very difficult in a culture that has become about survival, right? It's it's almost yeah. like you're seen as doing something that, you know, like what is this bringing? Where's the money? You know, how mm-hmm. does this anything? And yeah. I think anyone who sort of tries to do archival work tends to then have that struggle where people are not even conscious of the fact that what you're doing may be beyond your timeline. You're looking backwards for yourself in your current place and other people who want to have that collective memory, but then you're also looking forward for other people who will look for that kind of information. How, you know, maybe that's a bigger question than than we can answer in this this podcast, but, you know, it's almost like there needs to be some sort of shift in um, perspective because every culture like you say that archives and documents itself well learns from itself changes moves evolves builds from that I mean when you talk about samples and I mean this is a very controversial person to speak about at this point in time but I'll mention him Kanye West if you listen to a lot of his music and the samples that he was able to always build from and create you know, different sounds, really, like, it's because there's an archive, you know, and then you're able to then come in and completely shift a culture, a completely different direction that wouldn't have happened if there wasn't the richness of an archive. How do we, you know, because that's what makes people shift. That's what makes people global players. How do we bring more of that consciousness to you know, a, a, a society, a culture and survival. And I think at this point, very much individualism where it's like, I didn't create the problem. So I'm going to focus on family and mind my own business because, you know, the system is not taking care of anybody. So how, how what can people like you and I and other people who are interested in doing this kind of work do to keep that 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 motivation? Yeah, I, I, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, what does it give me? I mean, if, uh, you know, a secret. Um, two years ago, I tried to write a book on uh, a famous musician, I won't mention. Um, and when I approached the family, um, the first thing they asked me is, how much are you going to pay us? Right? Mm-hmm. So automatically, uh, you realize that, look, they have a point, uh, they, they want to be paid for for yeah. the history of yeah. the patriarch. So it makes no, uh, there's no problem with that. But on the other hand, um, where am I going to get a few thousand dollars lying around to to do to do the project as it must be done? Um, even after a lot of the interviews that I did, it was always, uh, what did you bring? And and. How are you going to profit? Uh, how much money are you going to make? So that's the reality of uh, of our society. That it's if it's not giving me an immediate return, it's not worth doing. It's not worth pursuing. So I think it's it's really going to be whatever you and I do. It's really going to be a passion project, and yeah. hoping that somewhere, somewhere, we'll notice. And uh, in future, whether present now or in future. Um, put some real resources into into it, and using the material that we are archiving now. I mean, in in our 
different platforms and bits and pieces and and work on it because now i mean you can't begrudge anyone for trying to ask shake you down for money for a project that you want to do out of passion because that's the economy and and that's the society we're living in at the moment so mm. I, I think for it's, it's just for us to follow our passions now and mm. hope for the best to be honest i i don't have a real solution to it because if i mm. did i'll be running president i suppose yeah yeah and, and so what is your hope then you know for for the platform well my actual hope for the platform is I mean, a co collaboration i think we've uh, i've had some chats with a lot of guys in the media space uh, independent producers we're really excited about turning some of the threads that we have done uh, <clears throat> occasionally on Fridays, I do the Sungura Friday where I profile a certain musician. And like mm -hmm. say, today we're talking about James Chimombe, where he came from, uh, what kind of music did he do, what inspired him, stuff like that. And I've had guys uh, talk talk to me about, you know, turning some of that into, um, you know, short clips of, of documentaries. And, and I've actually had one or two of them produced. So I think... For me, that's that's great. Uh, if if we have more people collaborating across platforms on just you know Fungai just curating all this stuff, it doesn't have to be in Netflix quality, but it has to be something mm. uh, and put put out. So uh, I'm always happy to to speak to guys and and see what we can do with with the platforms to to take it forward. And so when you curate this content, you know, you have visuals, you have facts, you have all these kinds of things. Where do you source this material from? Is this from <laughs> your own reading? Where do you get photographs? Like you said, it's hard to get archival footage. That, that's the other thing, Fungai, is that surprisingly, there's a lot of stuff online, eh? um, just not mm -hmm. curated by Fabians. For example, if you go mm -hmm. on YouTube, you're going to get a lot of these really uh, obscure American uh, music indie channels uh, where you mm -hmm. are going to music recorded in the 70s. Somehow they have it and we don't. Um, yeah, so you, you get a lot of this stuff that's online. It's just scattered all over the place. So the artists do uh, get as much of that as possible and take them back to a central position. So you, you find stuff on YouTube, and you find an artist, you find Susan Mavumo was one of was the first female band leader in, in the 60s and 70s in we had in Zimbabwe. But there isn't much about her. But you find a song uh, on some American channel. Once you do that, then you start researching. Uh, you get websites like uh, Discogs, for instance, which has a lot of great album covers from the 80s and the, and the 90s. The great mm -hmm. stuff about that some of the album covers they have credits on them so you know who played the guitar on 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 which album so those are some of the things that help you down a rabbit hole you know of research right. more and more and more so it's it's actually one of the things that drives me that the fact that a lot of this stuff is sitting on a lot of this content is sitting on foreign platforms um that don't have like your emotional connection to the music that you and i might have but it's mm -hmm. just tough for them for a curiosity that they have for for this music but 
somehow it has ended up in the hands of Americans and, and Europeans and that sort of thing. So the art is just to find that and, and try and bring it to one central position. Hmm. Yeah, because I think I remember, was it when Kelly Rusike passed on? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking for the Nguerewere advert because <laughs> that is something very clear in my own memory. And then I was like, okay, but then, you know, I wanted to also bring it to Twitter. And then I was like, but then, you know, the whole process of bringing a short clip from another platform to Twitter, you know, you download it and you have to, you know, make it compact yeah, enough so- to upload onto Twitter. And then I saw you had posted it and I was like, I don't, it makes sense. You know, <laughs> if there's anyone who's going to have done this, it's you because you you would actually put in the effort. But I mean, that is a lot of effort because you then have to find something for, from a longer, uh, you know, format on another platform and then, you know, download it, reload it to another platform, which has a, you know, a specific time frame for how, how long a video can be. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of commitment. It is. And, and I admit, like I said, right at the start, I mean, it's an obsession and the obsession mm. is, is, uh, based on the fact that I missed out. I mean, I missed out on a lot of this stuff because I thought, hey, this is just backward stuff. But now mm-hmm. uh, now that we are here, you become obsessed with trying to find as much of that stuff that you can. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, uh, I'm not going to lie that it's, it's, uh, it's not a bit of an odd and weird obsession, but <laughs> it is, I think someone has to do it. It's a bit like mm-hmm. coming, you know, it's a dirty job, mm-hmm. but in the end, Everybody wants wants to see that. So yeah, you have to troll mm. the internet times and and find this stuff and and share it with people and bring joy to people. I mean, we've got enough negative content as it is on the Zimbabwe online media space. So any bit of light that that comes through should help. Right, right, and and then I think finally my final question would be around how social media allows for this archive to exist, but that also at the same time can kill it you know um uh, someone i was having a conversation with someone and they were talking about you know we were talking about how having content or zimbabwean music on youtube for instance has killed uh artists ability to get money from from that content because once you've uploaded it and you know with the economy that we're in and i think as well it's becoming a culture where you'd rather not pay for something if you can get it for free um you download that and then you listen to it uh, and then the artist is not getting anything any return so it's 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 almost like this double edged sword where putting the content online allows people like you who are archivists to have access to it and then yeah. bring it to a level of consciousness. But at the same time, this is exactly what is killing people's revenue streams. So, I mean, it's probably yeah. not even a question, but it's it's how do you reconcile these two things where putting things online gives them life, but then it also tends to take away um, people's livelihood. That's a great point. And we have a, a really great example recently um, Jonah Moyo of David Anguena Jazz Band. There was a mm. lot of David music uh, on YouTube until recently. Mm. Then he started mm. uh, his own channel. And what he did mm. after his own channel is that he then pushed out a takedown order on all the David Anguena music on, on YouTube. Now, if you actually mm. go on 
on YouTube to look for Jonah Moyo and Ewingwen. You won't find a lot of a lot of that uh, stuff that used to be there. It's been taken down on his request uh, to YouTube. So uh, when I asked him about that, I actually uh, asked him about that why why he did that because now um, we we no longer have Solonam Tsai and and all that on on YouTube. And he said something simple. He said, "Look, this is my music, all right." And you, you, an example is there's a song by uh, Leonard Dembo that has more than a million uh, views on YouTube, but it's not an official channel. So someone mm. somewhere has made a, a few thousand dollars. Whereas Jonah Moyo started singing in the 1970s and he had nothing, uh, no revenue whatsoever from the kind of music he was, he, he put out. I mean, <laughs> the guy must have 60, 70 albums out, but... Mm. The, he got nothing. So in the end, uh, in his old age, very wisely uh, opened his own YouTube channel, took down every Lebranguena uh, jazz band music on, on online. And what did he do? He set up his own channel and he started now uploading uh, his own music there, uh, monetizing it as, as best as mm. he can. And I think mm. uh, there's a lot to be said about that because if you go on Apple or or some of these digital platforms, you're going to find John Chibarura uh, music. Who's making mm. money of that? Nobody knows, but it's definitely mm. not his fan. So I think, mm. yeah, we, there has to be a, some sort of balance there to say, look, we need this music out there. But if there's some proprietary issue, I think people who created the art really need to have more control of, of their own art. So I support mm. him and I think it's it's something that a lot of our contemporary artists also need to be working on, on, on dealing mm. with. Yeah. Mm. 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 And uh, in closing, is there anything that you feel we haven't touched on that's important for people listening to know or understand about Sungura or about digital archiving as a Zimbabwean or anything else? Yeah, well, I think the archiving is 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 something that we need to keep talking about um mm. it's important it i think a lot of us really stop when we think oh maybe my product isn't good enough uh maybe what i'm doing is not to the highest standard of netflix or whatever platforms they have um but i think whatever small thing you do in archiving history and it doesn't have to be music for guy i think uh like I was talking about football, for instance, we don't have a lot of people writing a lot of history. I think I, I think outside of uh, my big brother, Robson Sharuka, the Herald, who sometimes writes about Rio Tinto and, and that sort of thing, we, we don't have a lot um, of, of archiving of what happened in football. We don't have an archive of what happened in with the entrepreneurs who, who emerged in Zimbabwe in the in the late 80s and the 90s in, in business, um, about art, you know, we just all have to do, we have to understand that it's a passion project. You're not going to make loads of money. In fact, you're not going to make, you're going to lose money doing searching for this stuff. But if you've got a passion for something, um, it doesn't always have to be uh, monetized right at the start. I think just do it. Um follow your passion and I think let everything else follow. Mm, great, great advice. 
thank you again for your time and um, really please keep the passion going and um, you know if, if you ever write the book I mean I think a lot of people have I have a similar thing so I, I shouldn't pass it on to anyone because everyone's always asking me to write books yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> you should yeah. ever write a book um, we look forward to it thanks thanks a lot Funga. thanks for having me such a fascinating interview and thank you again to Rangamberi for making the time for that. Um, if you're interested to learn a little bit more about Sungura Central, you can find the Twitter account um, or the X account, whatever you call the platform these days. Um, the handle is at Sungura Central. You can then find um, the Tumblr account associated with Sungura Central at sungurascentral.tumblr.com. Otherwise, if you are interested to follow Rangamberi himself, you can find him on Twitter at Rangamberi. All right, that's a wrap for today and um, might be for the year, but then who knows, I might get a little bit inspired and do just one last more podcast before the end of the year. But if this is it, I really am grateful to you for listening to the podcast this year and um, I've learned a lot. I've never podcasted before, but here we are. And um, yeah. I look forward to, to meeting with you again next year. If not, if I pop up again before the end of the year, well, let's get in there and talk about something else as well. All right, I'll leave it to you for now. I hope that you continue to have great holidays and I look forward to catching up with you again. 